What's good, everyone? My name is Jacob Moses, and welcome to another episode of the Not Boring Tech Writer, where in each episode, we focus on a different skill that you can learn to enhance your skill set, improve your marketability, diversify your career, and ultimately break the stereotype that technical writing is a boring career. This episode's skill, getting started in open data. For the civically-minded technical writer, there's a growing movement in cities across the globe where technical writers can use their skills to better their community. It's called Open Data Day, an annual celebration of open data groups around the world, partnering with local governments to use open data to achieve a shared goal in the community. From analyzing environmental data to tracking public money flows, open data gives citizens from data folk to everyday advocates an opportunity to get the data they need to take action in their communities. As a technical writer, you may not initially see how your skills fit into Open Data Day. However, as you'll learn in this episode, successful Open Data Days need compelling narratives to complement outcomes and tutorials to teach people how to actually use the data that they want to access, and much more, all areas in which the tech writer succeeds. That's why in this episode, I have Jesse Hamner and two-time guest Kyle Taylor on the podcast, longtime Open Data advocates who've seen firsthand the value of the tech writer. In this episode, Jesse and Kyle help us understand the value of open data and how the civically-minded technical writer can get plugged into this exciting movement. Before we get started, big shout-out to Knowledge Owl, the wonderful knowledge-based software for sponsoring the Not Boring Tech Writer, and I hope you all enjoy this episode. Kyle, Jesse, what's going on, fellas? How are you today? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. I think we're all simultaneously in Denton, Texas, but not with each other, not in person. The two of you are. That's right. Yep. But I'm Ma- solo. <laughs> the magic of the internet. That's how. Yes. It's fantastic. <laughs> I'm in what they call a sunroom in my apartment, and it kind of acts like a sunroom. Like, it's pretty sunny, but it yeah. doesn't look like the ones I see on the internet. Yeah. So, a little underwhelming, but... Still a good setting for a podcast. <laughs> you know what? We're out here on Jesse's back porch. Uh, by oh, the pool and, you got yeah, all the sun. We're also yeah. enjoying the sun. Yep. You don't need a sunroom. You got the actual sun on the porch. I love it. Well, Kyle and Jesse, so excited to have you guys on the podcast today. We have a great skill to discuss together. Perhaps for the, the civically minded tech writer or the tech writer who you know cares about the collective good of their community or their neighborhood, whatever. And that is getting started with open data. And push back on me if I get this explanation or definition incorrect about what open data is. But from the brief Google search I did before this, it sounds like um, just encouraging governments, businesses, and civil society just to adopt open data policies. So say they're working on a particular project um, or whatever it might be to meet their vision or goal. Let's open that up as needed to get other people involved to help kind of what I imagine is most of the time it's just with government, um, perhaps a shared goal within the community. Is that is that a fair definition? It uh, It is, and I, there's, there's additional pieces of that um, that I think are important. Um, 
the first is you don't always know the, the uses to which the data might be put. And so yeah. opening it up enables creative involvement by people or novel solutions to certain problems. Yeah. That's, that's one angle. The second is sharing the data for municipalities and for governments is something we're also pushing as a civic requirement since it's taxpayer funded. And so unless there's yeah. a reason for personally identifiable information or something else like that, you ought to share it because, well, we should be able to see that. Sure, sure. Totally makes sense. Well, and Kyle, Jesse, I know you guys have been in this game for a bit. Um, Kyle, of course, as the founder of TechMill, um, doing excellent work advocating not only for open data, but a variety of tech-driven things um, to better the city of Denton. And Jesse, I know you've been a huge advocate as well, working with TechMill. So overjoyed to have you guys on the podcast. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Jesse, you helped kind of give us sort of round out the definition of what open data is. I want to learn a little bit more about the two of you and y'all's involvement in open data, um, not only in Denton, but just kind of your overall philosophy about how you approach it. Can you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves and what got you involved in open data? Yeah, so I can start. So um, I, my pro entire professional career has been focused in web development and uh, on the side doing a lot of like uh, startup support, like working with startups and working in the tech community and really focusing my work on education for the most part, um, which is kind of where TechMill was born from, where we just wanted to enable our local tech community. Um, and so whether we were doing workshops, teaching people how to code, or we were working with the local city on like government funded co-working spaces or something like that, um, everything always kind of, for me, came back to, you know, how can we use data to like make ourselves a little more um, uh, established or how can we use it for good? Sure. Uh, and so, um, you know, one of our most favorite former city councilman here uh, in Denton is a guy named Kevin Roden, who I'm sure we are all familiar with in some capacity. Shout out Kevin Roden. That's right. Shout out Kevin Roden. Uh, and he used to run these annual creative mixers. And what, what his goal was to uh, let's bring together the, you know, best, brightest people in our city and let's listen to what they have to say. Let's listen to their ideas and see if it's something that other people might be interested in and contribute to. So um, I was really interested in, you know, starting an, an, an open data portal or program or just, uh, you know, community in that aspect where I wanted to find other people in the city who wanted to use open data and just build cool stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and how could we build it for for the better? And uh, so I went to a big idea mixer. I stood up on stage, said I wanted to start something called Open Denton uh, and then got off stage, ended up talking to Daniel Bosolo, who was a, a lawyer and another co-founder of TechMill prior to TechMill. Um, he was like, hey, I'm a lawyer. You might not want to release a lot of that data, but let's talk about what you could do. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and so just from that point, you know, um, a few of us had got together. We had a little hackathon at Kevin's house one time whenever we were, you know, talking about, hey, we just had some district lines redrawn. Um, how can we help citizens understand, like, what their new district is just where they Fantastic. can go to a website put in their address and like, hey, listen, here's the people in your district that you can vote for. Um, and that was just like a beginning of this whole open data movement, um, at least the, that I've seen in the city of Denton, uh, you know, it's just starting four or five years ago. 
And this is an annual event, correct? Like there's open data days happening every year all across the world. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah, that's right. So open data Fantastic. day is a, it's an international um, event. And so we just, anyone, anyone can put on their own event. And so we're, we've been pretty lucky to have a, a group of passionate people who want to join us every year um, to put this event on. So uh, yeah, it's, it's the day of the year where we can all get together, pull together some city projects, whether it's from our own city or cities around us. Uh, see how we can use the open data provided in those those city portals and then, you know, build something that is going to end up benefiting, you know, all the citizens, uh, you know, in the end. Nice. Jesse, what about you? What got you involved in the open data game? Uh, I used to work at the UNT libraries. I was the nice. director, director of research. And for me, we saw two things were happening. Number one, uh, open access publications were becoming uh, a thing uh, in part because, People are frustrated at the rising cost of academic journals, and you know, they're, they're rising mm -hmm. at like three times the rate of inflation or something. So, wow. you know, yeah, it's kind of spooky. Yeah. And then the second is uh, there's a there's an open access portal that's been around for a very long time for physics publications called Archive, A-R-X-I-V. And they found that they were able to roughly speed up the pace of innovation results uh, collaboration by about one year over mm. the publication of a of a new article that had the data. Wow. Say, look, I'm going to get this thing published in Science or Nature or whatever. Here's the data now. So that gives people a chance to work with it, kick it, and, and go to town with it and learn from it a year. So it really radically speeds up oh, that's innovation. Huge. And the, the obvious follow-on is, you know, people would occasionally say, do you have records from the city council in 1958 or whatever? It's like, yeah, we have scans of that or whatever. And so it's terrible. And uh, then there's no real way except to manually enter the data. I had to do some big projects for some, um, well, for some uh, uh, mass atrocity data, which is not real fun. But we had to, you know, get it typed up a by a couple of different people, 25,000 entries, had to mm -hmm. check it. That's awful, right? Those data should sure. be available uh, without having to go through the analog hole. And so we said, well, let's teach people about data. And then you realize that people don't really know what to do with data a lot. They don't know mm. what does a code book mean or how do I how do I understand what's in these data, what they tell me, what they could tell me, how do I analyze them? And a lot of those things kind of became the, the impetus for, hey, let's have days where we bring people together who might be interested, who have different skill sets, teach people how to use data and actually use the data. So that's kind of how I got involved about five, six years ago. Got it. That totally makes sense. And Jesse and Kyle, as you guys are explaining what open data is, sharing your own involvement, I imagine many of our listeners who are familiar with, you know, open source projects, you know, familiar with GitHub, probably nodding along, like they understand what you're explaining, but maybe they get kind of caught up or maybe unfamiliar with this municipal data tilt to it. Um, what is really the difference between a lot of the type of projects that tech writers, documentarians are working on in GitHub compared to what's happening with these open data projects. Are they similar? <laughs> are they different? Are these drastic differences? What's happening there? I think one of the best things, one of the ideas that Kyle had was to provide sort of a glue layer between the municipal data that we were able to get uh, put on the open data site and what do these mean? What formats are they stored in? What problems do they have? Because you may get perfectly reasonable data in a format you can't use because you don't know what the, what the variable names are or what they mean. Uh, you don't know 
how they code certain variables is a one through five is that a Likert scale? It's, you know, I strongly agree, or is it an actual integer value? You don't know. And so those things matter a lot when you're trying to use the data. So we created GitHub uh, instances for many different data sets. And here's an issue. This one doesn't have a code book. This one doesn't do that. This one doesn't do that. Gotcha. And so generally the data quality is probably okay. The data usability is nearly zero. Mm-hmm. And it's getting better as, as people get better at this in the municipal world. But you're still going to get a lot of data that has no real tie to what you want to use it for. Yeah. And and so I think um, even at just like a low level lift, what we did one year was, you know, prior prior to going to an open data day event, we were like, you know what, we have all this great data, but uh, no one's going to know what it means. Um, mm-hmm. So we need to spend some time cleaning it up. Right. And so we just got a group of people on a Saturday afternoon, ordered some pizza and said, hey, listen, let's just make a couple of repos uh, get on GitHub that point to uh, these large data sets where in the data set there could be a number of individual data profiles or whatever it might be. And let's start identifying those issues. And then any and anyone could log in and just file an issue saying, hey, this code book is incorrect. Hey, we have four of the 10 uh, and these other six need to be identified. You know, things gotcha. like that. It was really just like, a, you know, a way for them to like mark up <laughs> right? sure. here, here are sure. the changes that need to be made. Um, and then at what we had at the end, honestly, was um, a list, a list of issues that had um, solutions to them for the most part. And nice. we could give those right back to the city and say, Hey, here's where your data is falling apart. Or here's where mm. we need more clarification. And honestly, in the end, everyone wins because the city gets to clean up their data and then we actually get to use it uh, in a way that makes sense. So I'm curious, Kyle and Jesse, like, why does any of this matter? Like, you know, maybe the tech writer that's worked a lot in GitHub, they're focusing more on, you know, maybe creating a new product or service. Yeah, they still have that collaboration, but it's not so much related to their, you know, their community or perhaps, you know, uh, the financial resiliency of where they live. Thinking more of more of like a, a global product or service, more so than, you know, something to actually help their neighborhood. For that tech writer listening to this, that, you know, kind of has that inclination to, look at their neighborhood, they care about the well-being of their community and their peers. Like where does open data fit in this entire process? So there's two or three things I think are um, valuable for two or three different ways these are valuable opportunities. The first is maybe you just are a do-gooder, right? And and you want to get involved and help people, you know, with the, the data-driven problems, questions they have. Hmm. So uh, one year, you know, one of the local charities came and said, hey, where should we put the mobile food pantry? Like, what a great question. You know, hmm. where where's the areas of greatest need that'll be the most responsive? So maybe you just want to get involved and help people do that. Maybe you want to provide uh, objective uh, sources of data so that policy decisions can be made with the backing of some data as opposed to just yeah. political preference. Uh, and the third is, and this is something that I didn't realize till I got a job where we used a lot of a lot of uh, repositories that are that are private, and that is nobody knows what you're doing or if you're good at stuff. But if mm. you've got a public facing repository and public involvement with this data project, or you've written the documentation for, or gotten involved in and used, that's kind of like a digital portfolio. It's kind yeah. of a digital resume these days. And I didn't realize, but when I applied for my most recent job, they said, "Yeah, your GitHub repo looks pretty good." They went and checked it out. And so it's there's there's several reasons to get involved and even some of them are self-serving. Yeah, I love it. Have you all found that it's common for municipalities to actually 
find opportunities to use data, have their data maybe dictate future interventions, or is most of this often, you know, kind of locked up in a vacuum? It doesn't necessarily, you know, guide future strategies. Uh I think it come, you know, it depends on the maturity of an open data policy for the city, right? Gotcha. Because, oh, so it's a policy first. Yeah, it, that a it, municipality has to adopt before an open data day can happen. That's or at least right. to get them involved. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I mean, beyond just a FOIA, even even in Denton, right? So like five, six years ago, is uh, like we didn't even have that great of an open data policy at the time. Gotcha. Where where e- even if you wanted to request data, like you could go, hey go up to, you know, city hall, whatever it might be, request a, a data set, then they're going to charge you $5 and put it on a disc and you'll get it within three to five days in the mail. Right. Mm. And what's on that disc could be a number of PDFs, but it's in a format that is not easily usable in a way that you can apply like, a, like software. Yeah. So you can still get that data, but not nearly as helpful. Yeah. If someone actually adopted a open data policy. Exactly. I mean, the, gotcha. the sleepless nights Jesse and I have had converting <laughs> PDFs to yeah. <laughs> JSON oh, files. I, I really I learned an awful it. lot about the inner workings of PDF and that's not something you should want to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, and, and once a, a city, you know, starts to make that progress where they have mm-hmm. decided that, you know, this is a policy change that we want to make, we, we want to open up this data for, um, for our citizens. I think a lot of, a lot of the cities are kind of hesitant at first because they think that the data could be used against them. Totally. Um, but honestly it's usually used in a constructive way. I mean, we had an event, uh, I think it was last year where, um, uh, just, it was like a two, like a 12 year old and who was it? It was Habib's son and someone else working on financial data from yeah. the city of Denton. Uh, and they were like, hey, you guys are spending more money than you're making. <laughs> and they just like put some <laughs> this data. This is in. an issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just in like Tableau, right? It, it was like a free version of like Tableau or something. Oh, um, gosh. But it, it's things like that. And then you, you have this report and you can – if you wanted to show up to city council and say, Hey, look, we found this thing in this data. We, sure. we, we should look at it. Sure. Um, I think that's where, uh, well, you know, while a lot of people could be scared of that, you know, that's where a lot of the, the power comes from and that's where, you know, positive change comes from. Yeah. And the need to transmit that information, those findings is also like the, the people who are hearing it have to trust that you've used the data correctly. You've gotten the correct data you know, the first response for somebody who didn't want to see that would say, you're a 12 year old, what can you possibly do? Right? Well, sure, if you, sure. if you've got everything locked down and say, well, here's where the data came from. Here's how we analyze the data. Here's how we put stuff together. Then you really, you get to knock that out as a problem, whether you're 12 or 110, like, sure. you know, it's, it's something you can just say, nope, that, you know, there's no more assertion that I'm correct. It's prove me wrong. Are yeah, these data right. yours or not yours? Yep. I love it. I'm curious. So the city say they adopt this open data policy. We have great advocates like Kyle or Jesse on the ground to actually put together one of these annual open data days. From y'all's experience, I know you've knocked out a fair bit of these at this point. Who shows up? I imagine it's going to be very surprising for listeners that it's really not only programmers, correct, or just the, the data geeks. Do you get a good mix of attendees? It's it's a full spectrum. That's awesome. <laughs> as yeah, far really as I'm is. concerned. I mean, yeah, I, I would say largely it's going to be a lot of tech people. Um, and it's mostly tech people who may, might not even be as passionate about open data as some of the rest of us, but they often just find it as an opportunity to 
uh, improve their skill set or try mm -hmm. something new or just kind of get more involved in the community. Nice. Then you have a subset of people who are just really passionate about open data and like wanting to make that policy change. Um, and then you even have a group of people who are passionate about like the policy, but they may not have any kind of technical aptitude from like a software development standpoint. Um, but in the end, like everyone is just as equally valuable, right? It's so like, it doesn't matter if you can write Python or JavaScript, it doesn't matter if you can like do documentation. Uh, you know, one weird year, we actually had a group of people who made YouTube videos for how to use the open data portal because awesome. no one knew how to use it. Um, mm -hmm. And that's just like a very low barrier, but very impactful because if no one knows how to use it, how are we sure. going to make use of it? What's the point of the policy? Uh, so yeah, at that point, you know, it's a full spectrum of people and honestly, everyone's invited as far as we're concerned. That's yeah, awesome. The people who've shown up have, have really been able to work together in, in ways that are uh, always good and sometimes surprising, right? You know, we had a, a bunch of Pythonistas come out and really make a difference for the United Way of Denton County. Uh, two years ago and saved them on the, on the order of about 30 hours a month of work. Wow. Um, with, you know, by the end of the day, they had this thing that worked and the, the documentation was again with YouTube was, I didn't see that coming. And although I should have known that my friends who were librarians who came, they would say, you know, people need to be able to use this. Sure. Uh, and, and it, it makes things very democratic, useful, because if you only have a bunch of data nerds who know how to use it, that's just another barrier. And it just, it, it creates a, another problem of, yeah, but you're, why should we believe you? We can't use it. And so sure. it, it avoids other like um, social fabric problems that come from, why should I believe all the nerds? <laughs> sure. Um, and one other group that I, I've been uh, consistently pleased shows up is you know, the tech community in Denton's pretty strong and it's sort of nebulous and sort of hard to specify or, or engage with. And so because so many folks show up, you get local uh, politicos, lo local politicians showing up to say, hey, you know, I, I want to be involved with you and your community. I want to represent your community. Some of them bring, uh, you know, sponsorships, just, you know, I'll buy some coffee for the day or whatever. And yeah. that's that's also powerful because they see the value of you know, it's not just Habitat for Humanity building houses. It's a bunch of sure. nerd building data sets, too, that's also charitable good works. So I think that's been powerful as well as just the, the broad spectrum of, uh, of, of attendees who work. And then thinking about where the tech card fits in this, I mean, you guys presented this so well. You know, we have the data folk who really understand how to look and, you know, maybe present the data, make it readable. And I imagine the tech writer comes in. Kyle, you give the example of these video tutorials um, I know thinking back on my own career, different tech writers that I've conversed with, they really pride themselves on packaging very compelling documents. Mm -hmm. So say we had the data folk, they got this data, tech writer can take it, put together this really compelling package, and then let's bring in the, you know, the local politico, the local advocate who can use their own anecdotes, language, persuasive arguments to really say, hey, this is data we should pay attention to and that we should use to guide any future efforts. Um, did I miss anything about where the tech writer fits in this? You mentioned the video tutorials. Any other examples of where tech writer can thrive in this environment? Yeah, I, I think there are a number one a number that come off the top of my head, which I think one would be, you know, as part of these events, we may be doing something to produce uh, a new data set or like an analysis. So uh, writing up summaries of that analysis uh, is definitely gotcha. useful. Um, in addition to maybe during the event, we may not be reporting or like uh, 
you know, generating a report, but we may be developing a tool to, you know, uh, run something on uh, that data set in the future, right? So we have identified an issue with the data set. We have identified a, like a translation that we need to make with it. Um, and now we need to write a piece of software to then do that transformation and get uh, an output that is now usable. So, uh, you know, tech writers can help us write that documentation for how to use the software correctly. Nice. Um, because that's like, I mean, we've all seen the number of GitHub repos that have just either no readmes or really bad mm -hmm. readmes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, like, what's what's the good in software if you don't know how to use it? So. Sure. And learning how to work with people who, you know, a GitHub's a pretty good lingua franca for, for code uh, repositories and for code transmission. And so there's there's a lot of value there in learning how the flow works. If you haven't done that before, I'm... I'm hopeful that um, it will become less of a barrier to participation as we bring, as just the years roll on, more people have seen GitHub. And then I would also say that as we're focused on solving problems and providing proofs of concept for solutions, you know, documentation so often takes a backseat to actually, does it work? And mm -hmm. that's, that's a shame because you can't always show how cool your outputs are. Sure. It, it really helps with just the advocacy and the marketing, frankly, to have good, competent technical writing to say, here's how this works. Here's how this can work going forward. Here's how it's generally workable. Here's specifications we need for the next iteration. That stuff's important and it always gets short shrift. Oh, that's an interesting point, Jesse. So it kind of sounds like the tech writer can help, you know, create a model of what, you know, an effective open data project looks like, yeah. at least for open data. We know it's an annual event. Ideally, you know, this is the conversation we're having throughout the year as well, and maybe brainstorming projects ahead of time. Um, but it sounds like tech writer can do a good job of maybe not so much a template, but what do we want the actual outcome to look like when it comes to this presentation? Totally. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, it's, it's they're really, I mean, we laugh about sort of, you know, it's not just for nerds, but no, you've really got to have a whole team to make this work because the city council typically are not anywhere, even programming adjacent typically. And sure. so you, you need good marketing and you need to be able to bring stuff to them that helps make the point of what we're up to, why it matters, why they should listen. So. Love it. Love it. I want to talk a little bit about the types of projects that you guys have done for past open data days. I know Jesse, you just mentioned, you know, we're often in the business of problem solving and getting a proof of concept. How much does this open data process of actually, you know, brainstorming and creating a project align with maybe, you know, similar problems that tech writers have been told to document with maybe their nine to five employer? How, do, what, how are those processes similar and how do you think they, they differ? I think that as being able to specify a problem carefully and clearly is the absolute driver mm. of what makes for an open, for a successful open day-to-day -day project, uh, even getting involved two weeks beforehand to say, here's what I'm going to need on that day. Because you've got, frankly, eight hours of work, maybe, and people get tired in the afternoon. And the first half of the day is pretty much spent organizing, communicating tasks, uh, figuring out what all you need in terms of resources that are like computational in nature. Do I need an Amazon web server? Do I need this? Do I need an EC2 gotcha. instance? So to be able to set up a decent project plan, which is something that a lot of people know how to do, but won't do in advance of open day to day, 
And we don't typically throw that back on the cities who request help because that seems you know, that we know they're already understaffed and they're coming to us and saying, hey, we'd like this answer, but they won't say, and here's 40 hours of work on the project plan. Mm. So getting it involved a month in advance, two months in advance, brainstorming ideas, looking at the data and saying, well, these data suck, but they sure could be better. And we sure could answer some cool questions if they dot, dot, dot. Sure. That sort of thing is is the absolute driver for success in open day to day. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, even adding on to that, I mean, there when we first started running um, open day to day events, I think we were probably uh, too optimistic or we were just really excited about the idea of we can we can start gathering naive. data. Yeah. And what we weren't looking at initially were the outcomes, right? Like we were just looking at the inputs. We're like, look at all the inputs we have. Okay. Look at all the data sets okay. we have to work with. But we weren't really as focused on, well, that's great, but what what do we want to get out of it, right? And so- Give us, a, give us an example, Kyle. Of a moment where someone may, you know, hyper focus on inputs as opposed to actually thinking about the outcome that they want to achieve. I can give you. I have one right on the tip of my tongue, which was I think it was our second Open Day Today uh, annual event, and uh, we had just received. I think it was that morning or something. We had just received a data set that consisted of uh, civic like code violation data um, oh, yeah. for like the yeah. past mm, five yeah. years like that. We're like, this is great. This is fresh new data. Uh, we, you know, we, we can do so much with it. And so me, it, there was like me and Dan, one of our other uh, techno um, members, and then another uh, member who was in our group. We're like, oh, we need to just start cleaning this data. We need to start. We, there's so much stuff we can do with it. And we, <laughs> but we what do all, we do with it? <laughs> What's this mean? In parallel in how to process the data, but we weren't uh, actually focusing on what was the report we were going to run. And what's the action items? <laughs> yeah, yeah, what yeah. were we going to do with it? Now, the the next year, we did actually produce something. But that first year, we were just so excited that we had a new piece of data uh, that, you know, we just honestly didn't get, <laughs> get sure. a and That, that sure. next year, they, they swung the other direction. And we, we overstacked their team so much. They had the entire website stood up by 10 a.m. And <laughs> wow. it was, yeah, it was it was working. And then they spent the rest of the day doing doing polishing and making it really sweet. But yeah. it was sort of funny because the rest of us were sitting around going, all right, how are we going to bring in the GIS data for this, this, and this? So we're stuck back where they were the year before. And they're sitting around twiddling their thumbs saying, website works great. What do you got for me? <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, we, we could have coordinated better on that. But it was a great story to tell the, the, the politicos who were there because it was like, our team is so good. They've already got results and we're still drinking the second cup of coffee. You know, so. I love it. I love but, it. But yeah, that's that we, we do. And I certainly do because I, I appreciate, I spend a lot of time with data. I appreciate just clean code books and stuff. And I'll spend a lot of time making sure it's usable and not actually using it. So I got to mm -hmm. be careful with that myself, but also it's easier to spot that behavior when it happens. Cause I know it. <laughs> yeah. Give us a few examples of some success stories that came from open data day. I know you guys got really excited about this new data set in regards to code violations, but give me something where, you know, there was a finished package they could look back and say like, damn, like in 24 sure. hours, we put together something pretty compelling that got everyone involved, the tech writer, the designer, the data folk. What are some well, stories that come to mind? I'm going to tell a real quick one. And then I want Kyle to tell the story about the potholes and the seams and the concrete. Remember the guys from Louisville? <laughs> oh, I think you know that story better than oh, I do. Okay, all right. Well, um, well then I'll uh, I'll I'll tell the one. Uh, the city of Louisville 
brought in a bunch of like many gigabytes of, uh, of, of camera images that had been taken with downward facing cameras mounted onto, onto vehicles, right? So they're taking pictures of the road as they're driving over the road, right? And uh, what they said was, hey, we have all these pictures. I don't know why they had them in the first place, but they said, we'd like to be able to make some estimation of road quality. And by the end of the day, a team working had built uh, a model that used, they had a pretty good teaching data set. So they did some artificial intelligence, some machine learning and said, we can 98% of the time distinguish potholes from manhole covers, and we can distinguish seams in the road from cracks in the road. And so by the end of the day, they had a pretty good way to say, okay, here's a proof of concept, Louisville. You can now use those data and this model to tell yourself something about the quality of the road without anybody else doing anything. Hmm. Uh, So that is, and then of course, the the problem was that we didn't, or they didn't document the, the AI software, but they did provide it to them wholesale. So it was like, here's the Cool. Here's, the, um, here's the software, but it wasn't, here's how you use the software. Here's how you teach people about it. So less documentation there, but that was a big win, I think. And uh, I mentioned the United Way of Denton County. That was a big win yeah. that required a lot of uh, instruction because the people who were going to use the outputs were not technical people. They were working at the United Way as interns and whatnot. And so that really did require some long-term collaboration with uh, the people who were managing the, um, the the resources from the United Way and also the Python team that showed up. So that was a very big success story. And again, saving 30 hours a month of work, that's, yeah, that's non-trivial. It really was time. easy to automate compared to the danger of mistakes that are just from human, you know, from human uh, having yeah. to go through data. So those are two big ones. There's other ones I think that are, that are valuable, but those are the kinds of things people will bring. And I didn't know what the city of Louisville was going to bring. And by the end of the day, they had, you know, we had really sort of pulled a rabbit out of the hat and I wasn't involved. We, the, the overall team, but uh, we, we do get inputs from months in advance. People say, Hey, please tell us about, please help us with. So I don't want to pretend like you can just show up and have it poof sure. magic, but that's, uh, those are some pretty good examples. I think what else, what else we got, Kyle? Yeah. I mean, the last one that comes to mind that I think is, uh, I think it was more of a wow story than anything else, but um, we had a a hackathon prior to Open Data Day last year where we had, uh, he was like a visiting professor at North Texas Information Science. And uh, we had uh, 30 days worth of Waze traffic data uh, for North Texas. And so what that did- For the whole metro area. For the whole metro and. And what that consists of is things like um, incident events and the severity of an incident, what type of incident, okay. uh, car wrecks, car stop and road, uh, you know, is it a major, you know, super major, low, minor kind of kind of relation. And what this guy did is that he um, was looking at the correlation of events to when an accident actually happened and trying to predict when an accident could happen based on that data. And so at the first event um, that we had before Open Day Today, he had spent the whole day basically building a model um, where at the end of the day, he was able to, uh, you could feed in Waze data and predict with up to 76% accuracy, I think, um, of when a traffic accident is going to happen. So Gosh. if that model is is that accurate, uh, you could use that with, you know, Department of Safety yeah. um, or local you know, police and like, and start to feed safety officers in that area yeah. uh, prior to an event so happening. Interrupt the That's process. Before it gets going. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And 
then when we get to open day today, uh, his presentation, he was like, so we built this a few months ago, but we had a problem. <laughs> we didn't con contribute weather as an issue. Oh, <laughs> and we know those snowy or rainy days in North Texas, that completely changes how we dress. That's right. So what he did was he improved the model to include weather uh, as an input. Um, but but still, like while while there wasn't a totally complete um, program used at the end, um, there was a model built uh, that can start being, you know, collaborated on uh, to improve that could actually be uh, something that that could be used by any any of those uh, departments up here. So that's it wasn't, amazing. It wasn't product, right? You, you know, we had the static data. There was no live streaming problem. There was no, what's the actual weather right now? You've got to go hit the National Weather Service API. None of that. Mm. But did it work? Uh, yeah, yeah, it worked really well. It was well. very impressive. And this came from, you know, one guy locally with an idea who is willing to show up at this event, you know, share his vision, get some other inputs, other ideas from folk. Yeah. What sounds like a, a, a nearly finished product that, you know, if someone were to adopt it, could really do some some good for our community. Worth noting that you know that um, that day he didn't know uh, PostgreSQL or PostGIS and some of the you know some of the ways you can ways bad pun some of the, some <laughs> of the met methods you can use with GIS software, open source GIS software to engage with these data from ways. Uh, similarly, I think a couple of years ago, wasn't I helping you with some Python problems? That you yeah, were yeah, yeah. I so, didn't even know Python then. Yeah, and so like we, <laughs> we ended up doing tutorials ad hoc, but also. Kyle's a really good coder. And yet I was teaching him some stuff he didn't know just on that day because we were like, well, we're going to use Python. Yeah. So it's not like you've got to be experienced and great at everything. It's like, sure. show up. If you can learn coding, then learn coding. Let's go. So yep. it really fun. speaks just the value of collaboration. I know, of course, we have tons of societal systemic problems that really at scale are super intimidating I know we're coming up on an election where everyone's really throwing out big ideas. And when we get on the neighborhood level, we don't really know how those big ideas and big plans are actually going to work, if it's actually going to make our communities better. But when we start, like you guys have done with open data, like, hey, you're a citizen of this community. You observe a problem. Present to this group. Let's share crazy ideas. Let's figure this out together. Test it right away. Pivot. I imagine if you know we had more communities adopting what you guys are doing here in Denton, um, we'd be much better off. So really admire the work you guys are doing. Um, I'm curious for tech writers who are intrigued by what you guys have discussed today, um, anywhere online where they can go take a look and actually see what Open Day Today is all about and maybe some projects that you guys have done in the past. So there is a, a website for the actual event from opendayToday.org. Uh, that's got the by country events that are happening this year. And it's got a little of the philo philosophical sort of underpinnings. Nice. Then we've got uh, opendenton.com, which mm -hmm. is the local one. We don't do a lot of showing off of previous projects there. We aren't really good at that. Uh, we just sort of turn them loose. But then there's also some other GitHub repositories that are linked from there. And so nice. there's some ways to look at the, um, the previous work or at least the previous focus of, of effort. And what else? I would say there are open data portals from various municipalities you can go and look at both to get ideas and to see the state of how people are sharing data as a municipality. So you can say, oh, this one's really good, or oh, this one's just a series of downloads, or oh, this one's actually an interactive portal. Like there's a bunch of variation gotcha. there. So I'd say those three things would be a useful place to start. Yep. Agreed. 
And then we have an open day to day event coming up, correct? That's March right. March 7th. March 7th. March 7th. This is happening at different communities all across the, the world, correct? We yeah. have one here in Denton. Uh, other ones in North America, I'd imagine? Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, there's a number in North America. Actually, I think there's only, are we the only other one in Texas? There's one in Austin. There's one in for many Austin. years now. So yeah. Austin, and, and then last year there were two in, in DFW because I think uh, UT Arlington did one. And That's then right. And did one. Yeah. Uh, and so, and they may not have uh, registered on the website this year, but they may be redoing it. I don't really know. Yeah. So, um, but there's, yeah, there's a bunch of, a bunch of uh, nationwide, predictably, you know, the, the it's gonna be like your Boston, yeah, Chicago, Boston, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a lot gotcha. of those kind of really involved civic communities, it's, at least. So think of it as the same sort of thing as code for America, right? You know, you've got Silicon Valley folks, you've got big city mm-hmm. folks, and then you're going to have the, uh, the, the odd small communities like us that has a good sort of, well, we're heterogeneous, but we bring a bunch of cool varieties. <laughs> sure. So. Sure. We'll buy the coffee if you guys show up. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, you all have done fantastic work. You know, I got love for for both of you and the the ways you guys have advocated for, you know, bringing more of a tech data driven approach to not only the ways we you know create policy, but you know the way that we we run our cities. Um, so I'm very proud of each of you. Thank you guys for sharing your message today. Um, if anybody wants to connect with the two of you personally, see what's going down with Kyle and Jesse. Where can folk connect with y'all online? Uh, you can find me at Kyle Tailored uh, on pretty much anything. Twitter. That's Kyle Taylor ED. ED that's is, right. Is, Kyle Taylor gotcha. ED. Uh, and I'm pretty much all across the board there. Perfect. Yeah, I'm, I'm fairly present on Twitter at, uh, at J Hamner. That's H-A-M-N-E-R. And uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm around on, actually on GitHub a pretty good yeah, bit too. Yeah, I, I'm GitHub's Jesse Hamner place. on GitHub. So yeah, that's, that's easy to spot. Find us on GitHub. Yeah, Perfect. find us on GitHub. Not, not, not wrong. Yeah. That sounds good. Well, listeners in the show notes below the player, we'll include links to Jesse's and Taylor's different social profiles, including their GitHubs, then links to all this great open data stuff that they have shared with us today. And if GitHub open source, if that's new for y'all, um, Kyle and I actually have a past episode with the not boring tech writer, um, where he gives a really nice intro into getting involved in open source projects. And I will include a link to that as well. Jesse, Kyle, thank y'all. This has been a lot of fun. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Jacob. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, fellas. Thanks again to Knowledge Owl, creators of the wonderful knowledge-based software for sponsoring the Not Boring Tech Rider podcast. And thanks so much to each of you for listening to this episode. 